Good evening. Sheila, are you there? I'm here. All right. Wonderful. Dr. Kemp's coming back on in a second. All righty.
Terry, test it. Are you there? Terry, test it. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Got to speak up a little bit. If you can, turn your volume yes, up. Yes, I'm here. All right. Right. Test it. Are you there? Yes, sir. All right. Wonderful. Great to have you. Just waiting on Dr. Kemp to get back on. And with Tester, we're ready to go. Welcome to another wonderful evening. That's Cliff Burton fans featuring the absolute very best in all the women's athletics and HBCU sports. We have a special lineup. We want to welcome all those tonight who are already online, 13 of you. And we want to welcome in our studio back with us, of course, for the love CEO, none other than Ms. Sheila Townsend. We're going to have Ms. Terry Williams, the triple threat who's been with us before. And we also have, we'll introduce them later on, None other, our special guest, Mr. CEO Rodney Woods, in about 25 minutes. Now, before we get started tonight, we also have uh, my co-host, Jim Waddell. He'll be typing in the chat. And then we have Dr. Marlo Kemp. And she will lead us out tonight with a special tribute to Juneteenth. Dr. Kemp. Good evening, everyone. Happy Juneteenth. Hopefully, everybody is having a good day today and we are definitely honoring the day so of course most people they tend to say well what is today what does that mean but for African Americans we know or we have some inkling of what it is or what this day and how special it is you know Juneteenth is a federal holiday and this has occurred since 2021 however in the black and African American community we've been celebrating this day much longer Seventy-nine, Texas became the first state to establish Juneteenth as a state holiday. Many people don't know that and they don't know what it is all about. Even some of our own people, because it was never taught to us in school and they are now to this day trying to keep it from being taught or talked about now. 
Juneteenth, referred to as Freedom Day, Jubilee Day, or Emancipation Day for all. It commemorates the total abolishment of slavery in the United States that took place on June 19, 1865. Although President Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation in 1862, three years earlier, making slavery illegal by January 1st, 1863, many people were still not freed because as we know, slave owners in the South, particularly in Texas, neglected to tell people that they were actually slave free. I'm sorry, they were free. And some slave owners even moved or relocated their plantation and slaves to Texas. It took federal troops two and a half years later to arrive in Galveston, Texas and take control of the state to ensure all of the enslaved people, our people, were actually free. Slavery was officially outlawed in the United States with the ratification of the 13th Amendment in December 1865. So today, I hope that we all honor and remember and continue to teach our own people about Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth, everyone. Thank you so much, Dr. Kemp. Thank you so much. Beautiful day. Yes, remember. Now, we have our last week, we are celebrating always our Woman of the Month. And we've been talking about Miss Aura Bell Washington this month. She is the woman of two courts, of course, tennis, first tennis champion, singles, but she also had a tremendous basketball career. We've been talking about her all month and we'll wrap her up next week. But I just want to get to something that happened a little later on in her life, and we'll talk about how it ended. During her athletic career and for the remainder of her life, after sports, Ms. Washington supported herself as a housekeeper. Ms. Washington never married, and over the years, she lived with family members and female friends. And after long illness, Orabel Washington died in 1971. She was buried in Virginia in her hometown. In the mid-1980s, she conducted into Temple University Sports Hall of Fame. A state historical marker stands at 61 Commit Germantown Avenue in Philadelphia, the location of the colored YMCA that she taught and played. In 2009, Orabel Washington was elected to the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame located in Knoxville, Tennessee. And on March 31st, 2018, it was announced she conducted as part of the Basketball Hall of Fame class of 2018. July 31, 2019, a statue inspired by Washington titled MVP was added to the Smith Playground in Philadelphia's Fairmont Park. So I'm going to open up the mic. Sheila, how you, how you doing? What do you think about Miss Aura Bell Washington? Give us your thoughts. Good on you. Uh, as usual, Dr. Burton, you have brought some new information to me. I must admit that I did not know about um, Ms. Washington. So this has been a, a learning, uh, a little known black history fact for me too. So I appreciate you bringing forth information that's not um, relatively known and that this continues to just shed light on so many things that we have done that we still don't know about just as dr kemp 
was talking about Juneteenth. There are so many people out there that we still don't know. So I want to thank you for that information. No problem. Always. We have one more week with it. We give a big rundown of the whole thing again next week. I'm going to open it up because she also now she's a tennis champion, a basketball champion, and we have none other than Miss Terry Williams, the former All-American from Virginia Tech. So Terry, tell us what you think. Aura Bell Washington, the queen of the courts, champion in tennis, champion in basketball. I think that the, Terry, double, the double sports is just fantastic. You know, you don't see basketball and tennis. Um, although, although I can't imagine foot speed and agility would be like transferring from the tennis court to the basketball court. I imagine she must have been something to behold. Um, that said, people who play basketball typically do volleyball. Um, so again, um, two different sports with two different focuses and you, you know, you have explosiveness for both volleyball and for tennis, but the agility in, in tennis, I don't think is, is rivaled, you know what I mean? Um, from the perspective that is. So we really, really, I mean, this just highlights once again, the need for a historical perspective on these tremendous female athletes who are doing all of these things that are largely unheard of. Absolutely. One more time, Aura Bell Washington. Yes. All righty. We want to continue, uh, continue on. Last week, and we love this time of year on our show because it slowed down a little bit. HBC Sports, NCAA softball is over with. And we get to talk about some other parts of the game. And we're highlighting black women uh, executives in sports. In other words, who are playing the real game, the game behind the game. And we talked about some last week. Let me start out with the last one we talked about. Melody Hobson, Aerial Mutual Fund co-CEO with John Rogers, is also uh, a minority owner of the Denver Broncos. She's one of the most powerful women in business, period. She's also a football owner of that team, along with Dr. Condoleezza Rice, who served in uh, President George Bush's administration. And Melody Hobson, if you want to know about her, her face is on the cover of this or last month's Forbes magazine. Now, let me give you a few more. Let me give you just a few more tonight. Some of the most powerful women in sports. They named them. Of course, we know about the Williams sisters, but also there's Val Ackerman. Now, we're talking tonight about women of color and of the majority. Val Ackerman is presently the commissioner or the head of the WNBA. She was a former commissioner of the Big East Conference, and she's doing, no, she's a former head of the WNBA. Kathy Engelberg is that leader now. But she was also the former commissioner of the Big East Conference, and she was very instrumental in moving the WNBA forward, okay? Now, I'm going to give you one that you may not have thought about, and I'm going to ask you a comment on this one, Dr. Kemp. Ronda Rousey, all right? The ultimate fighting champion and uh, an MMA fighter. People don't know this, but she can't escape. Ronda Rousey became the biggest earner in MMA fighting, okay? Male or female. She made a whole lot of money 
in her prime a year or two ago, and she's still fighting. So, Dr. Kemp, what do you think about Ronda Rousey? <laughs> she She's in the WWF, a wrestler, right? She's MMA, a wrestler. She's like, wrestler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sure, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be in the ring with her if I was a guy or even a female. And she's mm-hmm. tough. She is yeah. tough. Uh, but a business. Yeah, woman. yeah. She's one of and, the most powerful and, women economically who's changed the landscape of that sport. And a lot of people did not think or promote her to be that kind of. Thing. But she's winning in the ring, and she's winning in the bag. So that's none other than Miss exactly. Ronda. Rousey. Yes, 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 yes. All right. We want to switch gears. We want to switch gears. Miss Tori Bauer, the track champion who died recently, a complication of pregnancy in her eighth month, I believe, and they said she went in the early labor. She died of something pre-eclampsia or eclampsia. Um, a condition that is um, troublesome and, and doubly proportional to African-American women. Um, Serena Williams had some problems with this to her pregnancy. And uh, Allison Felix also had some problems in her pregnancy. And this is a condition. I'm not always way in, but women start out in pregnancy after the 20th week, and they have high blood pressure goes up and protein in the urine. That's preeclampsia. But it can lead to eclampsia where they can have comatose, comas, seizures, and have all kinds of problems. And um, this is a big problem. So uh, we want to bring the spotlight on it, not just tonight, but we're going to continue to talk on this subject. I've invited our OBGYN on, couldn't get on tonight. But what do you think about this stuff? Who wants to keep it quiet? Uh, Terry, uh, Sheila, give me a give me a thoughts. Sheila? Well... I think that this goes so much deeper than just the sports itself. I mean, as black women, we know that we are disproportionately um, the ones who are dying in childbirth and in pregnancy. Um, And, you know, what troubles me so much is it would be different if it was a situation where it was um, women of different ethnic groups who were um, sustaining these conditions and having the same, you know, or similar results, but it doesn't seem to be. And, you know, it brings a question to me as to, you know, why is it that when we go in with, um, issues that doctors don't listen to us. Um, And I mean, this is a big problem. I mean, we're in 2023 and we're still having these situations where they're dismissing what you say. I mean, you're talking about somebody who was a premier athlete. So, um, you know, based upon that in itself, compared to a regular everyday person. I mean, they know that physically she was in phenomenal shape. So that's not the issue. Um, So it is very troubling to me. And and I think it's so much, this question goes so much deeper than the sports. I think it goes 
you know, way deeper um, with why is it that the medical professionals who are supposed to be there to help are the ones that may not be listening or may not be um, advocating as much as you try sometimes to advocate for yourself um, in those conditions, they, they're supposed to be the ones that step in to, to provide care that's necessary for you to be well. And it seems to be the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm going to bring on OBGYN. I invited two who couldn't make it tonight. And let me say something. Today, <clears throat> CDC has stated that the number of residents going into OBGYN is decreasing. Actually, it's on CBS News. And so uh, there looks to be a shortage in the future. So then what happens to our women? And we're going to have this, but listen, we are going to continue this. I want to open up this can of worms. It's not going to be closed. As you know, on our show, we talk about things that are very important. And we're going to have some OBGYN on this show soon because we have to address this problem. We have to get the word out. It's just as important as basketball and football scores. Okay? So we will continue this story for Tony Bowie. All righty? Thank you. Now, Jim has a few comments in the chat. And going back to the uh, National Basketball Players Association, the executive director is Tamika Tramaglio. This is another woman who is in an executive position. Um, and I want to thank you for that in our chat. chat. I want to give one more shout out now to Coach Kenny Blakely, Coach of the Year, Howard University's men's program. Coach Kenny Blakely has spoken out about this issue of women's or the disparity in women's health in OBGYN, but Howard University's men's team has spoken out on several issues about women's health. They're very conscious. If you Google it, Kenny Blakely, he's the coach at Howard University, and they are always speaking out on issues that uh, pertain to women, breast cancer or whatever. And I just want to give him a shout out and, and for taking the leadership there, Coach Kenny Blakely. Yeah. Okay, before we go to break, Pamela Renee, Qualifying Broker CEO, 2870 Peachtree Road, Suite 992, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305, 404964 4294, If you're looking for residential, commercial, land, builder, developer, investor services, that's where you want to go. Pamela Renee, we'll be back in one minute. All right now.
All right. Welcome back to Dr. Cliff Burton Friends. We'll see. Hello to Dr. Satchel's in our studio tonight. We also have Sonia in our studio tonight. We have Jeff Butts in the studio tonight. We have a lot of people online, and we want to say thank you so much for coming on this show. We want to talk a little bit more. It's just going to be some new faces this year. We said we'd keep up with soccer, the World Cup for women, coming up in about a month. But this year, Rosie LaBelle, Sophia Smith, Trinity Rotman, Alex Morgan is returning to the team, and anyone Megan Rapino may be on that team. But we have about a month to go. But there'll be some new faces. Remember, we're going for a three-peat, a three-peat in women's soccer. Dr. Kemp, tell us what you think about this women's soccer. We told you we are going to cover it this year. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I can't wait. It starts in about a month, um, July 20th to August 20th, over in Australia, New Zealand. So if you guys can get over there and support the team, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> yes, the women have... Um, they brought a lot of notoriety. Also, they brought a lot of notoriety to the equal pay. And uh, mm -hmm. we're looking for these women to bring home the third the third title. Now, we're going to switch just a second. We'll get back to the WNBA next. In the men's position, men's sports, we want to um, keep our prayers out for a few people. We want to pray for uh, Ray Lewis. He lost his son, 28-year-old son. He started out. Ray Lewis III playing for Virginia Union football, and he just passed this week or this past week at 28 years young. And uh, I don't know what the cause was, but uh, we just want to pray for football great Ray Lewis and their family, and, uh, and we want to pray for him. Second, we also want to pray. I want to hear your comments on this, Terry. Primetime, Deion Sanders is back in the hospital. Uh, those who know he had two toes amputated on his left foot a few years ago when he was coaching at Jackson State. But they say now that the vascular problems are so big that he may have to get his left toe amputated. Terry, give us your thoughts on that. Especially for such a great athlete, it has to be something. And he says that uh, God made him. He's built for this. Terry Williams, tell us what you think. Proud time. I think that's really just a travesty to hear about. Actually, wasn't aware of this, but you know, I have so many thoughts because what is he suffering from that he's having his digits amputated? I don't believe he's diabetic, is he? I'm not sure. I, all I know is his so, you know, family. From that I think they said some of his family had these complications. Dr. Kemp, have you heard anything? African American men, really tough, really suffering from wanting to be seen as resilient. And one of the largest factors, and this is scientifically demonstrated, that is keeping black men from seeking medical help is thinking that they're fine. It's, it's not hesitancy, really, it's called negligence. And I wonder mm -hmm. how long any pain, tingling, anything that he, he was feeling or may have been feeling in his lower leg had been going on before he actually sought medical attention. That's number one. Um, but I don't believe also that he's disclosed what he's suffering from. To my knowledge, that hasn't been released. Obviously, it is um, you know, hard to hear that about prime time, but we also know he himself is resilient and, and you know, being tough mentally and, and physically pushing himself is what got him the success that he was able to demonstrate on the football field in the first place. Well, he says that 
if he has to get it uh, amputated, yeah, uh, that he's going to go ahead and uh, do it now. If he wants to get back out here for the season. We'll have to turn you turn your mic up or type because we have a little difficulty keeping it there. But okay, you're right. Better now? A little bit. A little bit. But we'll continue to pray for prime time. Now, Sheila, and I'm going to come to Rodney on this question when we bring it up a little later on, CEO Woods. What do you think about Ja Moran suspension? 25 games in the NBA. And Dr. Kemp, you can go after her. Follow behind her. Say it again. Do a minute. Let Dr. Kim go first. I'd like to go behind her. Okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, Job Morant, um, the 25 game suspension without pay. I'm actually surprised that they gave him that amount. Um, it, you know, I'm like, you know, young I'm like man what is your issue you know you have all this opportunity in the world they are giving you this this chance to play in the nba and you come out with some foolishness he's a very lucky man that they gave him young man that they gave him that number of games with uh, suspension out pay because really he he probably should have you know just actually been out of the league um because i don't know what more they need to do and you know i hate to you know sound negative especially towards our young men because we need to be there to help you know push them and help them learn but if he doesn't want to learn or act like he doesn't want to learn and he's given this opportunity, this opportunity. and actually taking it for taking granted it. um then I, I mean i don't know what to say it's um hopefully he will learn from this. Right, Sheila? Well, in in just to follow up with her, you know, you kind of wonder what is it that leads him to such poor, poor choices. Um, it's not like we haven't had or he hasn't had examples to see what happens with that. You look at somebody like Allen Iverson. Um, I mean, there's so many others that you can look at too to see what happens when, I mean, first of all, as, as Dr. Kemp says, this is an opportunity that far and few mm -hmm. get to have. And so um, this is not something that you'll be doing well into your um 40s and 50s. So you have a very limited window when you can maximize um, this opportunity. But I mean, it leads to a question, who does he have around him? What, you know, where are his, you know, parents or those people who were influential in his life? Why is he not listening to them? Why is he not surrounding himself around different people? Um, I, I I don't know. It, it's a baffling question. And like she said, the fact that he is even still allowed to be in the National Basketball Association League after the this isn't the first time, you know, after this um 
what what more can they do? Um, they they're only going to allow themselves so much exposure before they cut it loose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me get some more. Com- Thank you, Sheila. Let me get some more comments here. Um, Dr. Satcher on Coach Prime had a toe amputated in 2021. He developed blood clots in that area post amputation and developed green green. It started with hammer toes. My best guess is that he probably had locked on injuries and defeat. He probably is on the use of fear, which can complicate the circulation to the toes, which is not great to start with. That's Dr. Stanislav. Thank you so much. Uh, and then she stated that um, he is exhibiting trauma behavior. I don't know if she's talking about post prime or job. <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay, she's talking about job. Yeah, okay. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Dr. Satcher, for those comments there. Um, Sonia, she says she likes the show. Thank you so much, Sonia. Okay. Now, one more before we go to break. If I could be like Mike. Michael Jordan has just sold the Charlotte Hornets, or at least his majority ownership in the Charlotte Hornets, and they say he's going to profit a couple or maybe one and a half billion dollars. He took them over in 2010. They haven't been a winning organization, but the value, he purchased them for $275 million, and they say that they're now valued at $3 billion. Now, it's great, Mike, but tonight we're going to talk about business in just a few minutes with CEO Woods. We now do not have a black owner of a team in the NBA, and I think he inherited that from a purchasing from Bob Johnson, the former CEO for BET, who owned the team as a majority owner. So what are your thoughts? I have mixed feelings. No black owners majority now in the NBA, but I can't say I'm mad at Mike. Dr. Kemp, what do you think? He made a little penny. <laughs> My feelings exactly. I was thinking the same thing. If I can be like Mike, um, it's just, you know, what do you say? Um, yeah, we wish it's more, you know, it is more of our, you know, people that are owners um, who have ownership um, in in all, you know, especially the NBA. But wow, I mean, how can you turn down a deal like that? Or can you? I don't know. <laughs> Just depending on what your heart is, I guess. <laughs> yeah. James said, Jordan is a better businessman than owner. Jeff, I knew Jeff was going to come on this one. Ha. Huh. If his choices and his surroundings don't change, the suspension, talking about John Grant, won't make a difference. And then he says, bang, money, Mike. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jeff. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jeff. Uh, Happy Sheila, Sheila, what do you think about Michael Jordan's uh, sale or upcoming sale of the Charlotte Hornets? Charlotte Hornets? Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I would have liked to see him. I, I don't know who the next buyer is or who they are but i i would have liked to see you know him pass the baton to another minority um owner i mean we have uh you know we have individuals and conglomerates that are able to to purchase um these kinds of, of of deals and so I, I would have really liked to have seen him like uh, he got the opportunity from um 
what is the uh, gentleman? Bob name? Johnson. Bob Johnson. Yeah, Bob Johnson. I just would have liked to have seen him pass it forward. You know, I mean, I, I have a different take on um, Michael Jordan with some of his business ventures, um, but I'll keep that to myself. <laughs> but um, yeah, they aren't that that positive. So, I, I mean, you know, but as a business, I mean, you know, but how much more money do you need if you're a billionaire? I don't know. When is enough enough? Yeah. You know, yeah. could he have held off and, and sold it to either an, in, a minority individual or a conglomerate that came in together? I don't know. But, you know, that yeah. that's, yeah. of course, not my call. Thank you so much. All right. Terry says, sell it to who? Tyler Perry spent all his money on BET and VH1. And Marla says, hopefully the purchasing team has minorities in it. Well, we will definitely keep up with this topic as well. We're going to go to commercial in just a second here. Now, listen, it's already started. You're looking for the new summer camp. You want to register now for the love. Don't just dream it. Go get it. All right. It starts June 12th to 15th. 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. June 19th to 22nd, 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. June 26th to 29th, 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. It's an intensive summer training camp led by none other than for the love CEO, Arnold Sheila Townsend. And it's going to be held at Boca High Tennis Courts, 1501 Northwest 15th Court, Boca Raton, Florida. It's going on right now. So make sure you go there and get your tennis lessons on. We'll be back in approximately one minute. Welcome back, Dr. Clifton Bird and Friends, featuring the absolute very best in all of women's athletics and HBCU sports. Rodney Woods. Rodney Woods is the founder, managing partner, chief executive officer, and board chairman of Playbook Investors Network. PIN is a web-based business, capital and educational platform created to foster the engagement of minority, women-owned, LGBTQ communities, government, and veterans with institutional and private investors. PIN's relationship managers assess each supplier and they conduct their due diligence to identify the firm's operations and current financial position. Based upon the evaluation, PIN then introduces third-party financial solutions. Rodney's also the former founder and CEO of um, Diversity and Promotions, LLC. Rodney Woods is very diverse. He, he went to Payne College in Augusta, Georgia, where he played basketball and was a standout on the basketball team. He's a native Nashville 
After finishing paying college, he would go on to become a very successful law enforcement officer over 20 years on the Dallas Police Department and also he worked with the Federal Bureau of Investigations. Now, while he was at Payne College, he graduated with a BA in sociology, and he also attended Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth. He sits on several boards with athletes, entertainers, corporations, and boards. And I want you all to please, please help me welcome to the show none other than Rodney Woods, the CEO. Rodney, I don't get you. How you doing, man? I'm good, Cliff. I'm good. How are you, sir? I'm good. You enjoying the show? Oh, man, I'm loving the show, man. I, I had to get a little basketball in for all of those who don't know. <laughs> Rodney, Rodney's still playing basketball for all my boys, Floyd Webb and Ron Harper, Michael Joe, and all the fellas. They mad at me anyway. So I heard y'all uh, talk about Mike, but y'all should be talking about it. So, you know. <laughs> Listen, we want to get going, Rodney. Um, I've known Rodney since high school. He was a point guard in basketball, quarterback, quarterback, even though I played on the defensive side, he's a pitcher in practice. So, uh, and I think he played baseball too. But Rodney, I want us to take us, you know, Rodney, you stuck with, you stuck with it. it. And, and tell us you went to Payne College. And all I know, because I was a year behind you, things took off. Payne College, small HBCU, Augusta, Georgia. Take us from there, your career, basketball, academic-wise, and growth through Payne College. Absolutely, absolutely. Again, Cliff, thank you so much for having me here. As again, I love the show. I'm listening to the doctor. The doctor. Are we getting echoes uh, in the phone, Cliff? A little bit. I'm trying to see what I can do here. But keep going. Okay. okay. Yeah, so, yeah, so, you know, so, going, you know, going to Payne College. College, playing basketball there. I came to Dallas and uh, tried out with the Mavericks. Uh, when I first got to Dallas and got in for about, got about two months in and I got hurt. And uh, basically I almost had to have a knee replacement, but you know, I didn't let that stop me. So the police department came knocking my door and said, hey, we know you play basketball. And if you play ball with us, we'll pay for everything. So I joined the police department after all that, man, and had a successful career in law enforcement, played on their traveling basketball team against other metropolitan cities. And then I heard you talking about Dion earlier, so Dion and I became best friend, me, Michael Irvin, Dion, and a few other guys, but we had a traveling team, and I'm the only outside guy that played with the Cowboys. Wow. So we played every NFL team. And man, that was probably one of the best times of my life having, you know, as far as playing basketball, but competitive. But playing against, you know, the Miami Dolphins, the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, the 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 Green Bay Packers, New York Giants. We played all these NFL teams. So I got to know a lot of NFL guys as well, but playing basketball, celebrity basketball games time but you know upon being law enforcement man there's a lot of things that you guys are talking about on the call today that's that's really relevant you know the john moran situation and other situations and stuff i kind of got bit by the entrepreneur bug and i want to become an entrepreneur and my first big climb was toyota mm. and when i became you know a supplier of toyota i had to learn how everything was manufactured i think us growing up cliff we didn't really know about vehicles we knew about volkswagens and all that kind of stuff but we didn't know who made them you know we knew it was a brand name but as far as you know a black kid growing up in nashville you didn't really know who manufactured this and then I, I i followed your career being as a doctor all the things that's you know manufactured all the things that's made we just don't know that world yeah so i got in that in that world and got with toyota been with them for 20 20 plus years uh finding all their minority supplies around the U.S. We built three plants with them and 
I got good at it. We worked with some other automotive companies, including the plant that was built in Chattanooga, Tennessee for Volkswagen. So I wanted to diversify. I said, how can I diversify and help all these athletes and people telling me like, Rodney, you got access to all these fellas and stuff. And, and Cliff, I think you may know this or may not. Uh, T-Mac, Tracy McGrady yeah. is my yeah. business partner. Yeah. And I've known Tracy since he was a kid, you know, coming up. And, you know, here's a kid out of high school. You know, how do I help a person like Tracy, who's T-Mac, who's on top of the world playing basketball? How do I be help them guys become, you know, good business people? as opposed to losing all of their monies, you know, five or six years after the game is over. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of things, man, that was on my heart that I wanted to do and I wanted to learn. And I was just blessed to be given an opportunity to work with Toyota and learn so much. And then I started to diversify, as I said earlier, to work with all these other major corporates. I want to get into food and beverage. I want to get into healthcare. I want to get in pharmaceutical. I want to get in, you know, oil and gas. I want to know exactly how do we get in this game how do we come, become a minority supplier in this game? But more importantly, how do we really gain access to capital to get yes. to the next level? Yes. And that's our challenge. You know, I heard the doctors talking about, you know, Michael and his sale, you know, but how many black folks, you know, are going to have that type of liquidity to be able to buy a team like that? And that's the challenge that we don't have. We don't have our own money. If we're not going to private equity, VC, family offices, you know, institutions, which is not going to be us. We don't have that type of liquidity. So it's a challenge, man. So so my whole flight now, you know, being in sports, still being able to play sports, Cliff, so I'm still playing ball. I love I it. You are. Five <laughs> days a week, I'm still in the gym, killing, killing these young cats. But at, the, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, how do you really make change? And I think the only way we can make change now, you know, is education, you know, and what we've done, we've created, you know, an app uh, called PN Communities, mm -hmm. www.pncommunity.org. But what we're trying to do is put, that device in every person's hand who a it wants to become an entrepreneur or trying to become an entre entrepreneur or if you got a growing concern coming you just like hey how do i get this company to the next level how do i do that and you know right now this is an entrepreneur society and everything right now is at your fingertips yes. just like me and you being able to be on this podcast right now <coughs> on, on a cell phone so yes. if you put it down where everybody's at and everybody's on your cell phone, your iPhone, your Android or your iOS pass, that's where society's at today. Mm -hmm. So how can we build something to help, you know, facilitate all these entrepreneurs that want to become entrepreneurs and all those who are struggling, trying to gain access to capital or contracts? Because it's two things. Either you're trying to get, you know, capital to grow your business, you know, um, to hire human capital or buy your equipment or you're trying to get contracts to continue to scale your business. So we need to create that whole social impact that we can hire people. And then with no money, you can't hire nobody. Yeah. Roddy, let me ask you some questions. Most mm -hmm. small business, uh, most African-Americans are a small business owner, uh, the solo corporation. And I remember Butch Graves at Black Enterprise Conference said, our problem is scaling up. But even before that, and I noticed your company teaches the basics Hey, how does write a solid business plan, the different parts of the business plan? And, you know, how do we have key persons um, uh, in your business covered? You know, how to do those things and educate, not just getting the money. That's one thing. But when you're facilitating a minority business that wants to grow, you also are looking at, can this person sustain and grow their business? Otherwise, you can't put that. Now, you correct me put the marriage together of a small business 
with a, a lender, and I know you have over 1,800 lenders, yep. because if it fails, those lenders don't trust you anymore. So you, your company educates on all those aspects uh, from a business person who's trying to scale up and get that money. Is that correct? Tell me that about is it. absolutely correct. So it, it's a challenge. And it's, it's a challenge, you know, getting somebody married up to a VC or private equity group or what have you, because it can be a hostile takeover. If you don't meet your, your goals or meet your milestones, your business can be taken away from you. And now that in this in this society we're in today and DNI, diversity, inclusion and everything else, you got about 1700 plus publicly, uh, publicly traded companies that say, I, I believe in diversity and inclusion. Right. But out of that, out of that 1700 plus, you only got 33 plus that spent over a billion dollars a year with minority businesses. So everybody's trying to find a qualified business that can actually get them to the next level. But like you say, when it comes to that operational side and having the right people in your company, if you don't have the capital, you sometimes you can't afford the right people. And if you go make those mistakes, because human capital costs you a lot of money too. <laughs> you know, everybody tell you, I can do this, I can do it, I can do it, but they can't do it. You know, so now we got to train so many people in so many different areas and so many, so many different verticals to be able to do certain things. And it's just, it's sad. You know, a lot of the manufacturing now in the United States is not us. It's definitely not black folks, right? You know, at one point it, it used to be when we grew up, you saw construction, you saw people on the roads and stuff like that. You're not gonna see that today. You're not gonna see black folks on top of the roofs today. Pretty much not at all. You know, knowing construction don't have the capital or the liquidity to sustain your company to grow it to a certain level. You got plenty of companies in that, in that space. You got Emmett Smith, who's got a construction company, and you got a few others who got a construction. Russell, uh, Mr. Russell, who passed down in Atlanta, big construction company. But Herman Russell. Russell, right. Herman Russell. Right. 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 Correct. Right. But you're not going to have what we call a real serious minority company. I mean, you know, case in point, I, I had a partner who slit still at one point um, jamal mashburn was partnering with him when he was living and it was a plastic injection molding company doing 14 million dollars top line every year but they couldn't keep up with just in time and and the product or productivity and stuff just couldn't keep up with everything so toyo's like hey why don't we wind this company down but we're going to war we're going to war this company out of taking this 14 million off this man's table we're going to give him a 289 million dollar company to slit the steel right mm. but why did they do that because it's all about minority inclusion. So how do we create this vertical and have more minority companies at a bigger spin count? Mm -hmm. But can he hire you, Cliff, or can he hire any one of the other doctors, or could he hire me? No, he couldn't. So he's $289 million and can't hire anybody. So that's not a social impact. Then he grew to $689 million, right? But you still can't hire anybody else that you want to hire. It's not your money. So we don't have that type of liquidity to be able to have that type of strength to be able to have that economic impact. It's a, it's a, it's a problem. And until we realize it, you know, and we start to come together, get more educated and have our own money where we can buy, you know, certain, you know, companies and, you know, have, um, you know, businesses that we can scale and, and you know, hire people either, even if they don't look like you, that's fine, but you got a social impact. That's just all there's to it. You just don't have the liquidity to do so. Roddy, we're going to open up our mics. I know uh, Dr. Terry Williams, soon to be Dr. Terry Williams. I hope we can hear her because I, I know she's an entrepreneur for the love of EO, Sheila. Uh, Sheila has, has got some questions for you. And uh, Dr. Kemp, I know she does as well. And anybody else type your business questions in the chat. We're going to just take a 30-second break. Y'all ain't going to take a minute. We want to get right back. CEO, <laughs> Rodney Woods. Yes, yes, right, yes. Thank you. Right now. <laughs>
Welcome back to Dr. Cliff Burton Friends, featuring the absolute very best in all of women's athletics, HBCU sports. We're here with Payne College alumni and CEO, Mr. Rodney Woods. Rodney, I have a question, and then I'm going to come to uh, Terry next, if we could hear her. If not, I wanted to type in the chat. Okay. We talk about access to capital, right? Mm -hmm. But there's something I think that we overlook, and that's the access to capital that we must develop the mindset to turn over our money with each other and grow our own leverage, okay? Amen. We're spending 97% of our money goes out of our neighborhood uh, one time being turned over. Our banks are shrinking. I'm talking about, about minority-owned banks. Okay? Absolutely, absolutely, yes, sir. So, so the majority who we have to go, and I don't say this word, begging for money, they're getting 100% of ours and Nine, uh, 97% of ours and 100% of theirs. When are we going to start concentrating on turning that money over in our community like seven, eight, nine times? Uh, to me, that's our first capital pool that we must capture. I mean, it, it, tell me if I'm thinking right or what. No, you're thinking absolutely right. And the challenge is, is trust. You got to start trusting each other and start working with each other. So we as black folks don't do that very well. And I'm not afraid to say certain things. So, Cliff, you've been knowing me a long time. Yeah, yeah. I'm not afraid to say it. But at the same time, we got to start trusting each other. We got to start working with each other. You got to communicate. You got to talk. You know, and that's why this educational tool is so important, even in the PN community, because it's going to teach you stuff and show you stuff that you know. And if you knew it, you probably didn't know how it works. But until you start trusting each other and actually really working and, you know, strategizing together, it's never going to happen until we start doing it. And that's why we have a plan now to bring the money back to the communities, work together. And then let's talk about, you know, Cliff, you've been talking about Ja and Michael, but talk about the black athletes who got a lot of liquidity, which is the, the probably the wealthiest group it is when it comes to blacks having money. We're not even working together with, with them because if we go to one of them and ask them for money, we're asking or begging that something's wrong. So until we started to prove exactly what we're doing and show them exactly how we're doing and not say, hey, man, just trust me. I can do this if you just give me X. No, give him a plan. Show him exactly what this is for and how you're going to get his return and how you're going to actually grow his money. Those are the things that we got to do. Uh, Terry Williams says, I agree. And anybody else can type in the chat. Uh, Dr. Kemp, I'm going to let you take the next question. Audience, we may go over right, just five or ten minutes. We this is a real game here. All right. <laughs> Hi, uh, Rodney. Uh, my question is, what advice would you give to students, student athletes, um, even, you know, someone who's starting out, you know, who are looking to become entrepreneurs and to, you know, get where, get to the point where you are, you know, because I, I'm they, sorry, Doc, they I couldn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. So what was your question? So my question is, what advice would you give to students who are looking to become entrepreneurs and get to the point, you know, where you are or learn the information that you know? Because sometimes um, all they see is the dollars and not yep. how to take the steps to get to where you are. So what advice would you, you know, just give to students, student athletes or anyone who's trying to be, you know, become successful as an entrepreneur? Well, one, I would say, and not just trying to plug us because this is for everybody. You know, one, you got to get to somebody who's got an educational platform, whether you're an incubator or you're an accelerator program and you're working with mentors who's actually done it, been there, you know, seen it and know exactly, you know, how to help you get to the next level. But, you know, we built the uh, Penn community uh, to, to be able to do those type of things because 
our kids don't want to work for mom and dad and they don't want to work in corporate america but because of technology today everything's at their fingertips and they want to be entrepreneurs we just got to show them how to become you know successful entrepreneurs so i'm telling every every person whether you're in college or you're not going to college you got to get with a mentor get an accelerator program join the pen community or you got to get with you know somebody who's doing it from an entrepreneurial standpoint and can teach you why you need a business plan why you need to understand your balance sheets and your p l's you know what does that really mean you know why do you need to go to the bank and get money but if you get money from the bank they want to know and, and cliff said this earlier what about key person insurance policy most of us don't even understand what is key person in your company if something happens to you how are you going to return the money how are you going to make sure that you get mom and dad's money back because there's a key person in your company as an entrepreneur so it's a lot of things that we need to learn and that we can really teach our young you know uh up and coming untapped entrepreneurs but they only they got to want it you know for, for sure you you can push them push them push them if they don't want it you got to let it go until they're ready to get it mm -hmm. thank you terry williams said that um the new trend is the black athlete venture capitalist he, she wants your thoughts on that and also uh not just the athletes but the black entertainers as well as far as venture capitalist CEO Woods what do you think yeah well so the, the thing is with that and that's a great question the thing is with that is that it's liquidity they have liquidity and they'll take the risk you know it's a risk associated with every dollar that you put into anybody that you can lose the first thing they gonna tell you is that hey you know that you're subject to lose every dollar you put in this deal well because as an athlete and you work hard you don't think you're gonna lose a game and you you got a little attitude and you got money that's a dangerous thing. So they'll take the risk to do certain things they really want to do, or they'll take the risk to do it with certain people that don't look like them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, I'm always keeping 100 and mm -hmm. that's just the way it is. But at the end of the day, they'll take the risk. Uh, but with being that venture capitalist, they have liquidity to do so and take those type of risks, even if they lose. Cause I've seen guys lose, you know, 30 million, 50 million, 90 million, a whole nine. And I won't call names, but it's public records. You can go out and see how many broke athletes we have today. So I'm not saying anything that's, you know, throwing anybody in the bus, but when you got liquidity and you lose 90 million, $100 million, and you could have uplifted a couple of states, that's kind of bad. Yeah. But that's just the way things are until we change and get more athlete entertainers who look like, you know, you, Cliff, myself, and Doc, that, you know, you can trust us because we're doing these things and we're showing you exactly where, you, where your money is going, how your money's returned, and how are we going to take this to a whole nother level and that let's create that billion dollar industry ourselves mm -hmm. uh Sheila Townsend come on in CEO for the love LLC Sheila well one of the 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 things that I thought about when he was talking is as he said the educational perspective and financial literacy I mean no matter how we um try to advocate that it is something that's grossly needed in, mm -hmm. in schools is sorely missing. In schools. So, how, I, mean, I mean, the question then becomes, what I was thinking is, you know, how do we get this kind of literacy to them? Um, if we're if if i mean we have a captive audience at the school mm -hmm. but this is uh -huh. not something that they're pushing how you know what we do what can i do outside of 
um, directing them to to your app? Are are there um, branches that you have or um, charters that you have in different states and different locations? You know that they could have some kind of mentorship. Um, I mean, those are some of the questions that came to me because it's easier to educate them when they're young than when they're old. Um, no, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. And, and we do have that because one thing we're doing and what we're trying to do now is get a lot of the kids sponsored. Even when you, when you look at, you know, the HBCUs at 105 HBCs, about what, 330,000 students, you know, we're trying to work with Chase and other big, you know, box banks. They're putting, what, $30 billion, $20 billion on the ground. And I'm saying, listen, you sponsor all of these kids at HBCU. That's 330,000 students. You're going to spend $60 million to get them educated. And let's give them mentorship and let's give them the programs. Let's put the money into stuff like that. That's not, that's nothing to a Chase Bank or Wells or B of A to reach the historical black colleges at 330,000 students. Well, let's go through K through 12. You know, K through 12, when I, when I start looking at the schools, we got to create our situation to show them the mom and pop business and really how is all this stuff here how are you getting up and putting your shoes your pants your socks your shirt you know mom and dad putting you on a bus the food you're eating how, how's that all work but you got to show it just like everything else like the avatars to the k through six and then six through twelve you can change it up and make it physical play with physical people so that these kids can understand because when you're not exposed to this stuff they don't know this yeah we, we didn't know this yeah. you know we learned as we got older and you know, you guys became doctors and saw certain things as a matter of fact, I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. We don't know this, but everything that we do, everything that we wear, everything that we look at, everything we touch is manufactured. Somebody's making it. Yeah. <coughs> right. And, Roger, and I have a question. Oh, go ahead. That, you know, that's, that's missing go ahead, in the educational piece too, outside of the, the literacy, are the trades. I mean- Yes, ma'am, absolutely. They, they are absent. And one of the things being in education that I despise is there always seems to have this cloak of um, stigmatism over that. And, you know, why is it? Why is it that they do that? Well, you know, I mean, I'm not um, down in universities, but I mean, schools are businesses. Business, but yeah. if you can teach them these trades um, coming out of high school, I mean, they can begin to see benefits of these things more immediate than they can. And I'm not saying that, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, replacing uh, a higher, this post-secondary education. I'm not saying that, but it is absolutely you know, absent in the schools, you know, and how do we get the um, kids to start looking in those particular industries for a career path? Now, you're absolutely right. And, and on the strategy and the way we look at certain strategies, I try to use things that's going to get people motivated, whether it's a, a young kid at Nickelodeon that can inspire so many kids or it's a somebody that the kids knew from school or whatever because you got to use certain tactics to get people educated and get them inspired to to learn you know how's this car made or how's that eraser that you're using in classroom and how 
that paper you're using and you know when you go to drink water how's all that done so we just got to expose them to it and that's what we're not doing and i'm trying to create programs that's going to expose these kids to this stuff it's not it's not your typical school but it's like a lot of stuff got taken away as you know years passed because i know when cliff and i went to school we, we had home ec and manufacturing yeah. had you know you learned about cars you learned about painting you know all that kind of stuff but we, we, they don't do that today they don't do it in school so now we got to take what happened back in the day and now you got to put it in front of the kids but you got to put it in front of them where they can see it whether it be and i hate to use this word because i know it's happening but you got to put it maybe in the metaverse world that these kids can see how you know everything they utilize everything they walk on everything they get in and ride in everything they eat is manufactured you got to put it in certain things it's like oh my god this is cool i like it you got to do that otherwise it, you know it's not the sexiest stuff but this is where life is really at today Roddy got a few questions in the chat sure from terry and she states going back to the investments um you're talking about venture capital she says that but the entry for these investment opportunities aren't available to the majority of our community what alternatives for crowdsourcing with return on investments for smaller investments do you know that are available? So there are investments and in the, in the thing that we've tried to do is bring that to the forefront because there are so many companies that can be invested into that we could be a part of and help them companies scale and grow. Yeah. But that's, that's too understanding where they are and that we have to have a mechanism to do that. That's why we work with all these minority women-owned government, you know, even LGBTQ plus companies because they're small in size and, you know, they're easy to work with and easy to invest into. But those are the next big companies that are coming, you know, coming about just coming, you know, online today. But it's hard to be in New Jersey and understand that you can invest in a small company here in Texas or Florida or Nashville. So we bringing that to light now that you can see those type of things and you can make those type of investments. But, but it, we're using the social media tools, which is the, you know, which is like the digital platform. You using your iPhone, you use your Android, you use your iOS path. Now you can see companies that we never saw before that we can make an investment to and take that coming to another level because of our stature, because of our relationships and stuff like that. That's what we're doing. All right. James, old James says, there's a young man in Florida who created a business designing t-shirts while in high school. His business is so successful that he was able to buy the car of his dreams and get a full ride to college. Wonderful, wonderful. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Now, this is something uh, Terry Williams says, a young man was suspended for cutting hair in the restroom of his high school. A local barber invited him to be an apprentice last summer. I believe this was in Pennsylvania. What are your thoughts on that? I guess he was being an entrepreneur. What are your thoughts, Rodney? Well, I mean, you know, everybody got rules and regulations. Yeah. We all know that. So if it's a, a rule that you cannot, you know, cut hair in class or in, you know, in the bathroom, obviously, you know, there's, there's consequences behind that, you know? So I don't know the rules of the high school, but if it, if it wasn't a rule and, and maybe they should set up where, you know, that's a, that's a trade that they can do to kids who really want to cut hair, you know, yeah. in school. So it, it's a lot of things that, you know, can be done. But because of, you know, rules and regulations or, or egos and stuff like that, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to go against certain things until things change, you know, and sometimes we got to affect change in certain ways, you know. Right, we have maybe one or two more questions, but I do want to give the information on the uh, company, the Playbook Investors Network, for those of us who want more information, want to join 
want to stay in touch, let me say this. Uh, we've done about 23 shows on Dr. Cliff Burton Friends. And tonight we have a record of 51 engagements, another 17 people uh, listening that they didn't even sign in, and then an additional 10. So you see, you broke our record just like you break the records of asking. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and we definitely want you to come back, Ronnie. This is so critical to get the real game. Um, oh, man, listen, I'm here anytime. I, I'm all about change, and it's going to yeah. take. You know, they say it takes a village to raise a child, but it's going to take a village to raise some of these companies, too, and raise our entrepreneurs and our young kids. But it's going to take a village to do that. And we got to use what we have. We've got a lot of black athlete entertainers that can turn things around by the influence. And we're using influence models. So you guys are getting ready to see that. You're so, definitely going to see that. Give us the information on the company one more time. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's pin, P-I-N, community.org. And that is our app, which is in the App Store, you know, as far as the iPhones, Androids, iOS pads, or, or if you can reach out to us at that and we'll get the information out to you. And it's also our, our due diligence platform with Capital is Playbook, www.playbookinvestorswithansnetwork.com. Okay. We got time. Run it back. Run it back. We're real slow. It is org. And www.playbookinvestorswithansnetwork.com. I make sure I put that. I'll put it on to all of our listeners. And uh, well, Dr. Kemp, you have the last question or the last word, Dr. Kemp. Uh, CEO Woods. This yes, has, ma'am. This has <laughs> been awesome, amazing. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Just to just feed into, you know, our soul, giving us just so much information that I didn't know. And, you know, maybe others definitely didn't, you know, know a lot about. Uh, we greatly appreciate you, you know, spreading your knowledge, giving of your time and information. And I was in here taking notes like I was listening to a lecture. <laughs> <laughs> I greatly, yeah. we greatly appreciate it. Yeah, I thank y'all so much for having me. Cliff, man. I'm so proud of you. And I want to say this because Cliff is like my brother. We grew up together. I love Cliff. Always been the, the best guy that you can have as a brother and friend. You know, and, and there's a lot y'all don't know, but I ain't going to get into it tonight. But this, this brother here, I got some stories for you. Well, Rodney, you've been a leader your whole life. Uh, I've known that. And um, so I can say I'm proud but not surprised of where you are and you persevered and continue to, and, and you've always been a leader. Um, I also want to let you know, yeah, you still play the picture you see that I sent out. He really looks that way at 61. I guess you're still a year Yeah, old. man. Yes, sir. <laughs> Don't give everybody my age yet. <laughs> uh, and, and I do want to let you know, Rodney, that, um, you know, we've only had two point guards on this show now. It's yourself and Kenny so you're in pretty good company, all right? <laughs> who, who was that? Who was the other person? Kenny Anderson. Like, oh, yeah, I know Kenny. Yeah. You know, I know Kenny very well. I know Kenny. Yeah, I know Kenny very well. We've had on Cliff Ferguson, so we've well, had Well, I, I got to get a few of the guys on your show, man. So I got a lot yeah. of guys from NBA, NFL, maybe baseball, the whole nine. So And, and they follow what we're doing. So even Shaq joined us most recently. And, wow. Tracy Woods and uh, Avery Johnson. You guys need to get Avery on the show, man. You yeah. guys are a dynamic person, for sure. From Southern, Southern University, HBCU. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, HBCU. We're all about trying to restore these HBCUs, man. So we, yeah. we got a plan. Coach ben we got a plan. Absolutely. Well, as usual, we want to make sure our mother station, Mark Jones and Friends, we have some great news. 
uh, 910 AM WFDF, they have just expanded. They're now on from 6 to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday, and they're still on Wednesday nights from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. And so Mark Jones, Reggie, Jack, Jim, Carl, Luther, and I stopped by still now and then. We want to say congratulations to Mark Jones and friends. And also, I want to congratulate my um, both of my partners and co-hosts, Dr. Kemp, just had a birthday, and Dr. Uh, I call him Dr. Jim Wardell. My other co-host is, is Gary Turkey, big six. So he said he don't want to give his age either, but we're proud of him. I'm noticing this. And uh, we will definitely see everybody back in about 168 hours from now. Dr. Cliff Burton Smith featuring the absolute very best in all of women's sports and HBCU athletics. Again, CEO Woods, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you so name. much. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, now. Good night. Good night. You guys take care. All right, right.